The Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. That was what we were going to be drinking for the event. Jewel screamed at us. Our jaws hit the floor. Even between the four of us, we didn't know how we were going to drink a gallon of bourbon. This wasn't like the last time we were around that Rubbermaid container. This time, we wouldn't be drinking water out of a vodka bottle. We'd be pounding bourbon out of a bourbon bottle. I knew we'd go through the whole bottle if we had to memorize its back's label. Are you going to read it again? I asked. We were going to before you asked, but now we aren't. You can read it as you're passing it around, each time you fail. Jewel answered. My pledge brothers looked at me with eyes of hatred. They shot me a look that only a pledge could understand, because I had just royally fucked them all. Well, go ahead. Sound it off, Jewel said. John sounded us off. When we spoke our first few words, our voices were out of synchronization. We failed, and failed again. We passed around the bottle after each failure. Swig after swig, we started down the road of no return. After 15 minutes of drinking, we were beyond hammered. We had made it nine sentences deep into memorizing the label when the puking started. Tony was the first of us to puke, which instantly triggered James to puke. Knowles and I couldn't throw up. Usually, he'd be fake throwing up at this point, but surprisingly, he was as drunk as I was. After we failed at memorizing the label a few more times, we both exploded bourbon into the container. By that point, we were extremely drunk, and it didn't matter if we puked. Surprisingly, some of the brothers grew bored of watching us puke and left, but all the sweethearts stayed. The sweethearts showed us that they were in control, and we were going to keep hating it until we were finished. When we finally got to the last couple sentences of the label, it was miraculous, considering we had gotten plastered while doing it. I don't know if you're a Family Guy or a Simpsons fan, but I think they've both done it. How their main character, so Peter or Homer, can do something miraculous only when they're drunk. So I can't remember which one it is, but one of them plays a piano only when they're drunk and they do it amazingly. I'm pretty sure that's Family Guy because Lois is Peter's instructor. And he has to get bombed to learn? But okay, so that's what it is then. Yeah, she teaches him how to play piano. So I can only recite these things when I get wasted again. I can't re- Like, it's buried in a place that only unlocks with booze. But these things are still stored in my brain. Alcohol recall. Alcohol recall, you betcha. Total recall. Alcohol recall. Even though we had all puked at least a handful of times, we could taste victory just a few sentences away. The taste of victory was in my mind, but the taste of bourbon was in my nose, my throat, and even my forehead. I could feel the burn of bourbon all over my upper body. It was even in the beads of my sweat that were soaking my shirt. After a grueling 40 minutes, it finally happened. We shouted our last few words from the back of the bottle's label. It's a good thing, too because we could only see the last half inch of liquor left in the bottle. We had done it, and we were so proud of ourselves. We simultaneously fell back onto the palms of our hands, waiting for the next haze. You know, that would be a great drinking game. 
You just bust out a bottle of anything, and each person has one chance to, like, memorize its label, or they have to take a shot. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I don't think I would survive. I'm, I, I remember there was two that we had to do, right? I honestly think that there was just the one. It was the old crow bottle. Mm-hmm. That's all we and the Mont- that's all we did. And the Mont- and the Montezuma bottle. No, because you guys were the only ones that did Montezuma, and that's why you have Montezuma's revenge event, and I did not. You were supposed to be part of that. I know. You and I, it's in our family. Everybody listening yeah. is like, what the heck are they talking about? But there's like certain traditions that are carried on within the fraternity through lineage of brotherhood. So like Eric's my big brother and he had a big brother and if I would have stuck around, I would have had a little brother. That's why. That's why. Because you left. That's why you never had to take place in the melee. Yes. My life has been a melee, though, so I guess like it's sort of balanced (laughs) out in the end. Well, one of these days I'll have to take a trip up to uh, the cold north to visit you and I'll have to bring a bottle of Montezuma with me. You bet, man. (laughs) It's going to be a rough night. We didn't care what they tried to make us do at that point, except the yelling. That was still annoying. Jewel yelled at us a little more, calling us pussies, and taunted us. She said that other pledge classes were able to memorize the bottle's label much faster. Then she spoke in a serious tone, as if she weren't before. I knew this, because she said, Okay guys, it's time to get serious, so listen up. Jewel began to give us a drunken soul talk. We're here for you. Whenever you need us, there are going to be times we have to participate in fraternal events and help haze you guys. I'm sure you get that, right? I tried to make this part as coherent as possible, but this was completely incoherent. It was like, and you guys get that, right? She that uh she was that blasted. All of the girls were because they had stuck around the entire time watching a bunch of dudes puke into a rubbermaid. I mean, what else are you gonna do other than drink your sorrows away? Because yeah. I guess if you're not into that, watching people be miserable, then it's pretty jarring. Yeah. Yeah. But really, this event is the only time that us sweethearts will band together to haze you guys. We do this so you know that we are an important part of this fraternity, too. We help support the brothers and pledges in more ways than you'll understand in just a semester. But you'll see. For now, we're here whenever you need someone to talk to. Jewel had to sit down, but there were no chairs near her to sit in. She leaned on the wall for a second, and then Cassandra walked over to help her. She held Cassandra while she continued speaking. Don't ever talk to a brother about quitting. Come to us. We won't make you feel bad. We'll help you when you need it most. We can help you guys when you're doing scavenger hunts, and when you need a safe place to sleep, all of our houses are open to you. We welcome you into our lives, and we want you to meet our friends and sorority sisters. We are your sweethearts, but your sisters if you need any in life. It was a nice speech. But she was drunk off her ass. It looked like she couldn't stand up straight without Cassandra's help. I thought to myself, she must have been really drunk for me to notice, because I was extremely drunk. Imagine actually swigging down a bottle of bourbon with three other friends. 
like a, a gallon and you noticing that somebody else is drunk. <laughs> wow, she's really drunk. If uh if I'm do if I'm putting away liquor with friends and I notice that someone else is drunk, I immediately become self-conscious and I'm like, "Oh god, how drunk am I?" <laughs> I guess that's a good point, too. We're all on the same mountaintop together. That's what I'm saying. We've all been drinking from this liquor bottle, and I don't feel like anyone's gone harder than me. So, like, God, I'm about to be wrecked. That, okay, so that's just with the people drinking, though. So then if you notice somebody outside your circle that was also drinking with their friends, and you notice that they were more drunk than you, then that would be even more exasperated, I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. I'm the one been drinking straight from the bottle They're, these girls are sipping on booze farm what the hell exactly how wrecked am i about to be when i stand up <laughs> and stand up we did my pledge brothers were in no better condition and they were all ready to get the fuck out of the house as jewel was looking at us with her drunken innocent doe eyes we were staring back at all of the sweethearts with hate in our eyes why you may ask we had just vomited for 40 minutes straight while they screamed obscenities at us. The best and worst of it was that we were pissed drunk. Joel continued speaking, but it went in one ear and out the other. We were just staring at her and not listening. It was impossible not to appreciate her perfect figure. Joel's voice was an ambient sound somewhere in the background of our minds, and we all sprung to attention when we heard her finish her dialogue with the words, And now each of you will meet your sweethearts. Who is the pledge president? Jewel asked. I am, John drunkenly slurred, looking at Jewel. John, your big sister is... Me, Jewel said, moving towards John while smiling ear to ear. Jewel went to present John with a tiny decorated old crow bourbon bottle, as if we needed any more. When he stood up to meet her halfway, he fell sideways into the puke bucket. James and I both grabbed it, stopping it from catapulting puke across the sweetheart's living room. Unfortunately, Tony was not ready for this, because when James and I stopped it from splashing all over, we made a puke wave inside the bucket that splashed on Tony. We laughed. Oh, gosh. So just imagine Drunk Knowles, just like you were saying, standing up, and he's like, oh, shit. Like, I don't have any legs. And then just reaching for everything. But just like what happened to Jewel, there's no furniture around. So Because, you know projectile vomit and everything and he puts his hand on the bucket and the bucket does like one of those i'm gonna shoot but then james and i both sturdy it but it's still doing the wavy thing so when it comes back from john putting his hand on it tony's sitting there on his knees like and he's not very tall right so boom hits him right in the face poor tony we love you tony <laughs> and John managed to pull himself up using the now-stabilized puke receptacle. Of course, he managed not to get a single drop of puke on himself. John loved hugging people when he was drunk. When he stood up for the second time, he walked towards Jewel and tried to give her a big, sloppy, drunken, snotty-faced, puke-shirt, stank, filthy pledge hug. Mission failed. I'll give you a hug later, John. Go sit back down. You're disgusting right now, Jewel said. Each sweetheart called their little brother up and gave them a tiny fifth of whiskey. It was a miniature old crow bottle, and each was decorated differently than the next. Okay, I remember every brother saying, 
I wish I had kept my bottle from Sweetheart Night. I was so excited to see who my big sister was. I hoped it was Jewel or Cassandra, because Jewel was smoking hot in her own way, and Cassandra was the sweetest sweetheart of them all. She was also very attractive to me, because I've always thought kind women were hot. Since Jewel was John's big sister, I knew mine would be Cassandra. Sure enough, Cassandra called me up and gave me a big hug. I was relatively clean, so it wasn't as big of a deal to hug me that it would be to hug, let's say, John. Cassandra gave me an awesome bottle, and it looked like she had spent a lot of time decorating it. I told myself I'd try and keep it safe as long as I could. Cassandra pulled me into the hallway that led to the kitchen and started speaking softly to me. Anytime you need me, I'm here for you. This event was a test, like all other things that will come your way while pledging, and especially in life, Mike. Overcoming difficulty in life is how we become better people, and you're a great person already. Think about how great you can become. And please don't hate us for what we made you do here tonight. Instead, remember it forever as a fun time. Now let's go hang out with all your big sisters and get fucked up. She grabbed me by the hand and led me back into the living room. I didn't know what to say because Cassandra had never spoken to me like that. Nor had many people at that point in my life. There was only enough time to say thank you as she dragged me back to the party. It looked like Tony and James's big sisters had been chosen while I was in the other room. I was trying to listen while they were being announced, but I was so drunk that I was only capable of focusing on Cassandra. None of us wanted Topsoil Coil as our big sister because she hardly hung out. We knew we were going to get shafted. And, you know, by association, the people within the fraternity would probably not want to hang out with us as much as well. And she was, in general, a jerk. She was a big jerk face. Yeah. She was a big jerk. We were all pretty smart, educated students, and that's why we decided to finish off the bottle of bourbon from the event. We figured we weren't going to get around to drink our small bottles that night. We each poured shots from the big bottle, but the sweethearts didn't want any part of it. The guys and I polished off the rest of our pukey bourbon bottle. It was the worst idea ever. When the bottle was empty, we all smoked some of my weed. Cassandra knew I didn't want to smoke all of my weed, so she invited John and I outside to keep smoking more. Okay, that's kind of funny. She knew I didn't want to smoke all of my weed with everybody in the house, so she invited me out into her car so I could smoke all of my weed with her and John. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as the fresh air hit my face, I spewed all over their neighbor's backyard lawn. I couldn't hold it in anymore. It was almost like perfect timing. I had been holding the puke in since we were taking shots. I felt so relieved after I puked, and then Noel started puking beside me. The fresh air did the same thing to him, and he was probably triggered by my loud puking. Imagine being Cassandra, though, and you just walk outside with the two guys, you're getting ready to smoke some weed, and one starts violently puking, and you're like, oh, that's gross. So, uh, yeah, well, he's puking. Do you want to... Oh, now you're puking. Okay, that's great. Now I'm outside with two puking guys. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, but she stayed. <laughs> she stayed, and that's what makes this next part of the story great. When we finished, we wiped our mouths on our dresses and followed Cassandra to her car. She had been watching us. Okay, sorry. The best part of that is that you're with two guys that are in dresses, 
and they're both violently puking on somebody's lawn. That would probably be the peak of the story, right? I forgot the entire time we're in dresses, so now Tony's dress is covered in puke. That makes it even better. It does. And asked if we were okay. John and I both laughed, like it was a regular occurrence for us pledges. I still hated all of the sweethearts for screaming at me, and until pledging was all said and done, it was still us versus them. For now, I was going to enjoy some cannabis with my new big sister, who thought very highly of me, and my best friend, who had just puked beside me for 40 minutes, and performed an encore presentation with me just a few minutes prior. As for the event, though, the hardest part of the night was over. The only difficult challenge that remained would be getting back to my dorm room safely. We packed up John's bowl and passed it back and forth between us all. We talked about the event while we proceeded to get baked. John and I were beyond fucked up at this point. I couldn't believe James and Tony were still inside the house drinking. I looked down at my lap and was thankful I got Cassandra as a sweetheart as I closely examined the bottle she had given me. We packed up John's bowl and passed it back and forth between us all. We talked about the event while we proceeded to get baked. John and I were beyond fucked up at this point. I couldn't believe James and Tony were still inside the house drinking. I looked down in my lap and was thankful I got cassette. You know what? Doubles happen. Doubles happen when you have a half a day of audio. Because... To listen and hear a half a day of, even if you've listened to it a couple times, you've lost 36 hours of your life. And I will tell you what, I lost five months of my life and I'm still finding doubles. I will make a revision one day, but it's not any day soon. That's fair. Sandra is a sweetheart, as I closely examined the bottle she'd given me. It was actually a pretty neat gift. Cassandra told me that we couldn't have bottles in our dorm room, so it'd be in my best interest to hide it in my room or take it back home to Virginia Beach on the next break. I was so appreciative that I kept rubbing my thumbs over the decorative glitter-covered bourbon bottle. I was high and sitting there stroking my trophy after a long night of challenging endeavors. I just wanted you guys to know I'm proud of both of you for coming so far. That's why I saved you guys tonight. You worked hard on that scavenger hunt. Cassandra said. What do you mean? I asked. Come on. For one, you guys didn't make it to the dark side, so you never made it to the Tri-Kai house. And two, none of those signatures were from girls in Tri-Kai. What do you mean? Noel said, repeating my question to her. None of the names on your asses are girls that are in Tri-Kai. They are all fake names, Cassandra said. John and I both looked at each other and burst out laughing. We had been taken into an apartment by four random girls from off the street while having bottles thrown at us and had our asses signed, all under false pretenses. We were under the impression that at least one of these girls knew a Tri-Kai girl. These girls weren't even friends with any Tri-Kai girls. They were just four random girls. We had been tricked, and somehow, through our ignorance, we managed to trick the sweethearts, too. What a twisted circle we were in. That's classic, I said. Thanks, Cassandra. So she covered for us. Remember when yeah, Kyle said, hey, those aren't real girls. And we said, yes, they are. We didn't know any different, right? So, like, 
the lie was not even a thing in our minds. This was the truth in our minds. Who would it randomly like- invite us up? Sorry to interrupt you. That's awesome. Yeah. So on our sweetheart night, we were looking for signatures. We got brought into a random girl's house, girl's apartment, and they forged signatures of other girls that they may or may not have even known. This is the life I've led. And this was at 18 years old. It's, uh... You guys, you guys were lucky. You, incredibly lucky to have gotten away with what you got away with so far. Absolutely. So, we're in dresses, and the night is still going on for another minute or so. So, buckle in. No problem, she said, and we all continued drinking and smoking in her car. John, Cassandra, and I sat in Cassandra's car for who knows how long, smoking and drinking. John and I both drank our sweetheart bottles entirely. I remember asking Cassandra to roll down her car window so I could puke out of it. She laughed at me and said just get out and puke on the grass. So I did, and when I was done, I got back into the back seat of the car. I felt refreshed, but something was slightly off. I was even drunker now. I remember staring at the old crow bottle that Cassandra had given me, with very cloudy vision. I wanted to keep it safe and protect it from getting broken, like all my predecessors before me hadn't done. I still feel like that's one of the best ways to gauge how drunk you are. Like, the more blurry your vision gets, that's how drunk you really are, until it blurs out and you're dead. <laughs> it's like a video game. It's like... Yes, absolutely. Like you've been bitten by a zombie (laughs) and regretted. I knew I was slipping into the zone of forgetting. I wanted to get home and write down what happened in my journal so I didn't forget about anything. I also wanted to save my bottle before my drunken ass destroyed it. This is when the blackout officially begins because the last thing I remembered was looking at that bottle. I kept telling myself that I was on the verge of blacking out and I just wanted to end the night with a good smoke. I was probably just thinking about passing out in an undersized, uncomfortable dorm room bunk bed. And that's all she wrote for Chapter 14, Part 1, Sweetheart Night. Dunskis. That was a long chapter. We're going to have this one broken into two, and I'm sorry that the last 24 minutes ish uh might have had different audio levels than the prior minutes but it was just because eric the ek dj and i uh had to stop our last one and on that note guys you have a wonderful evening